Hello, welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. This is Brian Woldridge, the producer. Just wanted to apologize in advance. We had some audio challenges this week, but they've been fixed, and things will sound better next week. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Our panel is like Jennifer Epps Addison, but our panel does have Jorna Taylor, political consultant here from Wisconsin. She's in the office this morning. Jorna. Good morning, Wisconsin. And via the road, on their way to Madison, Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Morning, everyone. So we have a special guest this week. We're going to jump right in. It is, it's Labor Day weekend, and so we are having a Labor Day special podcast, and uh, we hope everyone has a great Labor Day weekend and gets out and enjoys some Labor Day festivities, which we will get into. Uh, we'll have links to some activities that are occurring on Labor Day this weekend, particularly Monday. But our special guest is here, and she's in office with us. That is Candace Owley. Candace is the president of the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals. Candace, thanks Good for morning. joining Good us. Good morning, everyone. So uh, Candace is been a labor leader for a long time here in Wisconsin has seen a lot of the history of labor so we wanted to have her in because um, Candace is also a known as a progressive labor leader here in Wisconsin and so we wanted to get her assessment of the state of labor in 2015 and so Candace why don't you at least give us your sort of top lines on kind of how you see where labor is at now oh, oh sure thanks uh, Matt I'll be happy to try to give an overview, um, at least from my perspective, over quite a few years. Obviously, it's not a secret that the last uh, year, few years have been pretty tough in terms of the attacks on labor unions and more broadly even on working families. And I think some, uh, while there's no question that this has been uh, difficult, I can see and and I've uh, personally seen some real positives that are coming out of these times. One is that Labor unions are getting much uh, deeper relationship with their own members, that they're uh, engaging more, they're, they're um, in the work site more. So I think our unions will be much stronger in the, as we come through these times because of this renewed engagement with our own membership. But probably, and maybe even more important, is the fact that we realize that our labor unions are really part of a broader community and that the attacks have been not just on, I guess, unions as an institution, but really on working families. It's uh, the wage inequality, the fact that, that working families are falling behind. So I think what we're seeing is labor unions uh, really recognize that, that uh, they want to be and are part of a broader community, and their agenda has to be broader, has to fight for uh, rights for all uh, workers, whether it's paid sick leaves or raising of a living wage, that these are the fights uh, in our community that the labor unions are now uh, getting much more involved in. Robert, why don't you uh, ask the first question for Candace? So Candace, I think it's interesting what you say, that as we know what the motive of Act 10 was and right to work, it was to undermine organized labor and its political power. Uh, and of course, you know, we would rather not have it and want to reverse it as soon as we have the power to do that, but that in an in unexpected sort of way, it's, it's forcing labor unions to get back to their roots and their history of actually directly engaging members and, and getting workers to understand that, that if they don't stand together, that they don't stand a chance in the model of modern economy, that they'll be divided and they'll be picked apart. 
yes, Robert, that's that's true. And and uh, you know, I would add to that the fact that we are seeing now an increase in calls about people asking about how to form unions, an increase, and we've just seen in the Gallup poll, an increase in uh, opinions about labor unions, positive opinions about labor unions, and I think it's because when workers look around and see how they've fallen so far behind that they have so little power in the workplace that they, that they are uh, truly starting to recognize what are the vehicles to fight back? And some of that is forming a union, and some of it is uh, uh, looking at the political system and how the political system ha affects our, our power in the workplace. Well, Candace, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, what probably most people don't know is that my first post-student organizing job was actually with Candace at the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals. Oh, my God. Jorna, I work also for Candace. Oh I didn't God. know that. Okay. It's, it's right. a long, illustrious list uh, of... I guess we're just paying uh, well, I think I can feel <laughs> positive about, about, anyway. about the work that you guys have gone on to do, uh, that right. you've started some of it it's a in a, it a launching pad Absolutely. at our union, too. Well, and that was um, more years ago than... <laughs> I like to admit, but you know, Candace, you've been a leader in Wisconsin for many years, and you've been a national leader with AFT Healthcare for many years as well. And so, I guess my question is, how does this sort of revitalization or this what you're seeing now happening on the ground in Wisconsin make you feel as a leader who has seen this cycle sort of go up and down and up and down? Granted, given that the recent past, you know, three or four years has been a little rough around these parts, but just, you know, kind of curious for your your personal, your, your non-political uh, speak. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, really, honestly, I really have seen this new energy that, uh, and a new purpose of really getting into uh, why do we form unions in the first place, what is it about, that it's uh, about uh, workers sticking together and standing together in a workplace, whether it's fighting for safe staffing as as our nurses do, or whether it's fighting for time off and paid time off uh, so that we can spend time with our families. And the fact that um, uh, workers and our own members are seeing that this is, is uh, more valuable than ever. And, and at a national level, I'll say the same thing, that I've seen uh, also that, that there is this greater and greater sense of being part of the community. And I'll just say in healthcare, one of the things that, and we can talk about this at a different podcast, but the whole question of healthcare becoming uh, corporate and having being focused on profits, not in our community, that this is also something that's uh, that's it's in other industries too. But it's really driving some of the of the uh, uh, renewed interest in organizing, and also the fact that the workers themselves in the healthcare industry, you know, no longer see any kind of a benevolent employer, but see a corporation that is willing to. Uh, go to bare bones in order to make profits. And so this is, I think, pretty pervasive, as I said, in, in all industries, and, and it's pretty clear to the workers now that they have to find ways to fight back. It's interesting you mentioned the, the increased focus on membership. My wife is an organizer in the MTA, and as everybody knows, they no longer can bargain a contract, but they are still at over 70% sign-up, that's what she does. She goes into buildings and signs people up, gets them involved, helps build structures, 
And she actually carries a little book that she got that is an old steward book when they used to have to go collect dues, right, from every member as a reminder, right, about labor's past and essentially where they are now, that that's essentially what they have to do, go sign member up by member by member. I think that's really important. Uh, and so, if, so it's if happening, I, right? If I might, just, Matt, on yeah. that, you, you know, I don't, it, it was an important time for self-reflection, I think. And I think you could say, and I'll, I'll say, that our unions got a little, uh, uh, maybe lazy would be the word. You know, we took for granted that, that, that people were members because they understood and believed about solidarity. Well, now we have to have those conversations. And as you say, what's happening in the teachers' union, that this is happening throughout the labor movement now. And I, this is why I say I really believe that, that if we you know done right, we will be much stronger unions uh, as we move into the future. So my follow-up question then is, you, you mentioned the community. I wanted to get your, your response to the Working Families Party. We had Marina Dmitrievich, Wisconsin Working Families Party, I should say. We had Marina Dmitrievich, the new director, on a couple weeks ago. We mentioned Citizen Action had, has joined, and we talked on that podcast why we did. But want to get your thoughts. The Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals is uh, has now affiliated with the Wisconsin Working Families. Could you talk more about why that's important and maybe a little bit how that connects to some of this vision that you're talking about and how labor is really shifting its focus towards the community and thinking broader than just labor? Uh, yes, it's true that our uh, union did vote, and it voted unanimously, our executive board, to affiliate because there is, and I think we're seeing it in the presidential elections, a real frustration with the existing political system and political parties, a sense that they've been captured by moneyed interests, really, and that we have to have uh, candidates that ha are champions for working families and that, that who will stick with that agenda and help, uh, help all of our community, our union members, but also the broader community, because... Again, we, we live within communities, and we, are, uh, we have to find political approaches because it's, you know, it was a political attack on us that, that led to where we are. And so part of the path backwards, in addition to member engagement, is through a political system. But I guess there's a, you know, not so much faith, perhaps, in the traditional parties, and, and we're very excited at, to be part of uh, the movement for a working families party and our members were excited about the idea of something that is nonpartisan and based on uh, an agenda that would help improve the lives their lives the lives of their families and their community Robert I'm sure you have one more question well Candace um, a lot of people you know labor as you know and labor law is all very complicated and hard even for very dedicated progressives to follow I don't know if you can say, say about the uh, labor board uh, rulings that Matt referenced uh, in the description of the podcast. Uh, why they're significant? Uh, yes, there's been a series of pretty significant labor board rulings that have come out recently. Uh, one of which is um, one of the most ground groundbreaking, and that has to do with contingent workers, contract workers' ability to organize and hold their their companies accountable. And uh, we're very excited about this potential of having a, uh, a much uh, greater ability to have the workers in the fast food industry, for example, to be able to form unions and bargain uh, contracts. And uh, it is being hailed as uh, really one of the most far-reaching rulings in many decades. There's another ruling which 
the labor board, and it shows you, I guess, the importance, if you could put it all together, of the political system and who is on a labor board and who makes rules. Are they made in the, in the, on behalf of working people or are they made on behalf of corporations? And so one of the other rules it has to do with getting fast elections. And this is a critically important rule because um, in the past, uh, elections, when, when workers wanted to form a union, they were able to, the companies were able to delay for months and months the, the, the vote, in which case they uh, intimidated and harassed workers. Well, this labor board has said enough of that. We're going to have fast elections, and uh, we're seeing elections now that are able to be uh, held within uh, 14 to 20 days, which is, which is uh, enormously helpful for forming a union. As someone who used to organize unions in the 90s, that's amazing, right? I, I remember we'd go to cities and campaigns, you'd be there for months because these campaigns would be dragged out and you'd have to take these workers just through a series of grueling experiences at work where the employers pretty much could do what they want with them and to shorten that election is, is critical. Um, you, you mentioned the first, the first ruling. Talk a little bit more about that so people understand the importance of it, right? So for example, McDonald's, right? The, large corporation, but it actually fun functions through franchises. Do I have it right that this ruling would essentially allow a union and workers to organize a few franchises and still bargain directly with McDonald's, that the franchisee is no longer, franchise is no longer viewed as an employer? Is that is It's that a joint employer. It's joint. a there joint employer now, and they both have to be, come to the bargaining table. And, and um, you know, Really, we'll see how this rolls out over the next few years, but it also has to do with whether you have contracted for cleaning services or whether you've contracted for food services Excellent. in a hospital. And, and you, ha you can uh, hold both the hospital and that, uh, joint, uh, that contracting employer uh, accountable as a joint employer, and they both have to come to the table. Uh, and it also, uh, in, in, in uh, some ways, diminishes their ability to uh, close up shop and run because they will be held accountable. And so uh, uh, it really strengthens the worker's ability to get contracts and have enforceable contracts then. So I want to preface my question about working families, Candace, with a what is about to come out of my mouth I don't believe is true. Um, however, I am 150% in support of this working families movement, and I think it is going to do phenomenal things for progressives and for the progressive movement in Wisconsin and I, and, and for the United States across the board. It's shown to be effective in moving a progressive agenda in other states, and so I'm, I'm really personally excited about this. However, we have a lot of um, folks out there and listeners to the podcast who are concerned that this is going to hurt Democrats who have traditionally supported a lot of these issues. And as a leader in labor who has traditionally and historically supported Democrats because they're the ones that actually help your issues, for the most part, not all the time, let's be honest, um, I guess, you know, what would you say to those folks who are grumbling, and, and a lot of them are on the left and the far left, saying, wow, you know, this is just going to hurt our chances to win? Well, of course, in our state, we're not running as a separate, uh, on a separate ballot line, so uh, there is not an issue of choosing uh, a separate political party. But what it does do is it really helps to support and enforce uh, and uh, and enhances the support for progressive Democrats. 
because it allows them to have a clear agenda and a, and a group of people who are, are there to support their efforts that a progressive Democrat really, and I think that's what I've heard from progressive Democrats, that they are really uh, excited about this organization that will help to hold everybody's feet to the fire, um, including all of the Democrats and Republicans, but also in nonpartisan races to be able to support, you know, candidates in a nonpartisan race. And I think, in addition, that we can't only talk about electing candidates, but more broadly about dealing with supportive legislation, supportive referendums. And uh, as we know, in this state, we've passed some pretty progressive referendums. Now, some of those are advisory, but advisory referendums can be really uh, motivating to both politicians and also to the community. They can help to demonstrate to the politicians that the community has their back on these issues. And so I see the Working Families Party as something uh, much more broad than just uh, endorsing a few candidates, but working on a whole progressive agenda. So Candace, uh, Labor Days this Monday... What do you do on Labor Day? What what does Candace Owley do on on Labor Day? uh, well, you're, it's correct, Matt, that our, my Labor Day looks uh, much the same every year, and which is uh, I, I just love to participate in the annual Labor Day march, which marches through the city of Milwaukee and ends up at, a, at a, uh, the festival grounds with a big uh, kind of party for, for working families. And uh, what's been really a treat for me is over the years, I have pictures of my children when they marched with me and now I have pictures of my grandchildren and I and they call me every year and ask uh, if we're marching and uh, can they join me and so it's become a, a true family tradition in my house that we all um, march in the Labor Day Parade and we have of course the same is true for many of our members that uh, will join us and this year we're also going to be marching uh, together with the Fight for 15 because we think that uh, we want to help lift up that that uh, struggle, which I think is another, uh, I know you've talked about that, I'm sure, many times, but I think it's another example of how traditional labor unions are coming together with a movement to improve the work, uh, the lives of workers in the fight for 15 in a union. So we're kind of joining forces in uh, this year, and that's that's would be the new part for us this year. Uh, in the Labor Day March. So of course, uh, while Candace may be in Milwaukee, there are events all over the state, and we're going to have links to it, but uh, Green Bay, Kenosha, La Crosse, Madison, Nina in the Fox Valley area, Oshkosh, Racine, Superior, Wausau, Wisconsin Rapids. So there's places all over the state. I encourage you to get out. I know I, one year, got to spend uh, 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 Labor Day in La Crosse and experience the La Crosse Labor Day Parade when I was organizing nurses in lacrosse years ago well how and about that my first labor day parade was when i worked with candace and uh i can remember singing we shall not be moved over and over again as we walked down to the summer fest grounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i will also be there uh we I, let me, let me I, say, I rarely miss milwaukee's labor day it's, it is it is a great time uh let me say also that uh Everybody is welcome. It's not just for the unions that uh, everybody is welcome to come down either to watch us uh, as we march, join in if there's uh, someone that, uh, a union that you feel particularly uh, have affinity for, you can walk with them. 
Uh, they'll probably give you a, one of their union shirts to even wear. And then the Labor Day, uh, Labor Fest grounds are open all day long with lots of events for, for children and for families. And so it really is a community event. It's not just for people in labor unions, but it really is to celebrate working families uh, throughout our city and throughout our state. And it's free, correct, and Candace? it is free. One of the free things you can uh, uh, you can take part of in our city. Yeah, and last year, President Obama came. So I don't believe we're getting Obama this year, but nonetheless, it is. Not this year. <laughs> so let me tell you what I actually think is one of the highlights of uh, Labor Fest. That is the wrestling. I knew you were going there. You knew I was going to go there, didn't you? Well, George could make a guest appearance, and then I can maybe change that. That would be the new highlight. But if you go to Labor Fest and you got kids, or you're a kid at heart and you like, uh, you know, entertainment like wrestling, go over to the Sports Pavilion. They have some of the best wrestling you will ever see. Um, absolutely fabulous. So that's my uh, that's my early furlough, anyways. So, Candice, I really want to thank you for coming in and, and talking with us. And as Jorna mentioned. Um, we both consider you a mentor, and so it's, it's actually an honor to have you in here today, and we really appreciate everything you've done for this movement, and including for Citizen Action. For folks who don't know, Candace is an active uh, board member of Citizen Action, so we really appreciate uh, her support of this organization. Thank you, Candace. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank yeah. you, Matt, and thank you, Jordan. Well, so it was really great, obviously, to have Candace Owley, and we should let our listeners know that we um, Robert Craig has left us. He had to go on and prepare for a media event that we're having in Madison today. But we are switching topics here, and we have our second guest, and that is Nicole Safar. Nicole is with Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. Nicole, thanks for taking time to join us today. No problem, guys. I'm glad to be here. So we have Nicole on. It's becoming She's becoming a regular, and um, that is most unfortunate right. because it means that Bad things are happening in the legislature when it comes to women's health. And this week, in particular on Wednesday, we had quite a field a show that went on in the legislature around access to federal dollars for women's health that goes to Planned Parenthood. Why don't you tell us, Nicole, exactly, tell our listeners exactly what was at stake and what's going on in the legislature right now? Yeah, so the um, Assembly Health Committee had a nine-hour hearing yesterday uh, simply to talk about what you said, uh, the federal dollars that come into the state of Wisconsin for women's health. Um, a, a lot of it comes to Planned Parenthood because we are the biggest uh, women's health provider, safety net provider in the state. But the, the two bills that they discussed yesterday um, impact more than just Planned Parenthood. They impact the entire network of women's health providers that are across the state. So we were lucky enough to have some really great clinicians and uh, clinic managers from places like Wausau and Superior and Platteville and La Crosse all come to Madison to talk about how bills are terrible and how the Republicans' continued obsession with hurting Planned Parenthood is really going to have the impact of hurting women in our state. And could you tell us a little bit more about specifically what the impact of these bills will be and how it will directly impact women's health, and, and, and particularly this network and system since Planned Parenthood is absolutely critical to it? Yeah, so one of the bills is um, aimed at the federal Title X family planning program, which is a, a 
program that uh, distributes money to women's health safety net providers uh, for preventative care. So for everything from breast and cervical cancer screening to STD testing and treatment to birth control um, to well woman exams. And the Title X funds currently go to Planned Parenthood. Uh, we are the direct grantee from the federal government. And we get about $3.5 million every year of those funds. And then we subgrant it to other partners, um, other women's health partners across the state in places where Planned Parenthood doesn't have clinics. So uh, one of the bills would um, try to get the state to uh, apply for that grant and take it away from Planned Parenthood. And then um, the one thing that was really clear is that the legislators who wrote this bill and the Department of Health Services they don't have a plan at all for how they would distribute these funds. And I think Governor Walker's uh, Department of Health has really made clear that they don't have a plan when they take money away from Planned Parenthood. We've seen them do it a couple of times, and, and women have really suffered. And then the other bill is targeting, again, safety net healthcare providers uh, that, that do family planning and NFTD treatment. Um, through the Medicaid reimbursements that they get. So the bill is narrowly targeted to just family planning and FDA clinics, and it would drastically reduce the amount we can bill for medication. So that would be really devastating to any women's health provider that serves Medicaid patients, and we, we all do because, uh, you know, there's such a huge population in need of affordable reproductive health care. And clinics like Planned Parenthood, um, we lose money on every single Medicaid patient that we see because the reimbursement rates are so low. And this further reduction in the medication and the birth control pills would be really devastating to our ability to see Medicaid patients. Nicole, thanks for joining us. I'm sure you had a super fun day again up in the, the Capitol yesterday. <laughs> um, it never fails to amaze me the... Uh, historical references that come out when you're talking about abortion and birth control from, you know, the Vietnam War to the Holocaust is is pretty amazing. Nice. Nice. Showing class once again in Wisconsin. Um, So... So I guess I, I have sort of a two-part question. My first question is, uh, does Planned Parenthood only serve women? No, that's a great question, Jorna. Um, we serve men and women. The majority of our, our patients right now are, are women. Um, but we serve about 6,400 men every year as well. And we offer basic reproductive health care to men who need high-quality, affordable access to. So that's great. So this this just really isn't this, you know, women-centered issue somehow that they have made it out to be in this way. Um, I guess, you know, my, my next sort of question is more of a comment on this continual attack on women and that we see this across the board. The bill sponsors are men. The end... Yeah. Aside from Julaine Appling from Wisconsin Family Action, who, um, you know, is a challenging woman at times, uh, the, the people who are most outspoken against women's um, health care rights and the folks who are trying to further this bill are overwhelmingly men in the legislature. And it is overwhelmingly women in the legislature who stand up and give the most passionate arguments about how this is going to hurt people and hurt women across the board. And so I guess, 
uh, you know, part of that is what's being reported in the press. So I, I call on the press to get some more diverse voices because there are a lot of progressive men out there who are champions of women's health and women's rights. But I also really would like to use this opportunity to, to call on the men in the Democratic Party who are opposed to this to step up a little bit more and, frankly, for people to uh, take note that it is always pretty much men attacking Planned Parenthood in Wisconsin. From Scott Walker on down, it is men attacking women, and that cannot go unnoticed any longer. Yeah, it was really striking to see the um, Assembly Health Committee with have four Democratic members and then, I don't know, eight or nine Republicans, and that all of the Republican members on the committee are men. And they, you could really tell, they have no idea, they have no idea, number one, what it's like to not be able to afford health care and to not have health insurance. And they have no idea about the kind of health care that preventative health care women need to stay healthy. Well, we really appreciate the fact that Planned Parenthood is there and all of its members and activists, including you, Nicole, we really appreciate you coming on and educating us on what's been going on. Let our listeners know again if they want to get involved and, and get involved in this pushback because it's not just this issue. As we've said, there'll be more. And uh, how, how, how does one get involved with Planned Parenthood? Yeah, people can find us online at www dot Again, thanks a lot for uh, joining us and uh, keep up the fight, Nicole. Okay, thanks guys. Great to have two excellent guests to to uh, start our show and quite frankly, we don't have a lot more time. We just want to mention a couple of quick things Jordan and I do. Uh, one of them is, you know, WEDEC is the story that never goes away and uh, so we mentioned last week, of course, very briefly that Reed Hall had stepped down from WEDEC uh, and we found out this week that the Eaton Corporation continues. I guess it's strike three, you could say, the third time that they have been found to be outsourcing jobs in spite of receiving our taxpayer dollars. And it's worth noting that the Capital Times this week, in fact, Wednesday, editorialized for the first time that WEDEC should be closed. And so we here at Citizen Action are thrilled that we have our first uh, editorial board uh, suggesting that we close WEDEC. And we, of course, have been pushing that for a long time. We believe it is completely, not only has it been discredited, but it is a completely flawed model. So uh, we, we won't go into great detail on that. But uh, Jorna, I want to switch topics here real quick. And we've we got to talk about our governor and, and his, his love for walls. Does love walls. Yeah. He would have liked to put up a wall around the Capitol when all of those protesters were outside, I yes, bet. I um, so. But Terrace. instead, he has decided that a wall in between the United States and that foreign threat of, wait for it, Canada. Hey, wait, 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 wait. He didn't, I didn't say that. That's Scott Walker. I'm doing my best, Scott Walker. I did not say that. You, the media is taking this out of proportion, Jorna. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me quote it. So that is a legitimate issue for us to look at. I did not say that. Really? Because wait, I did. You, you I, did. I just you did, did say friend. that. I did. Um, I did. I'm sorry. I, mean, I apologize. Look, I'm sorry. I I did date somebody from Canada, as I so lovingly call it, for a number of years, and and I understand why we you know might want to keep their socialist health care <laughs> and their support systems for and their infrastructure out of. Uh, the United States. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Um, or when, if there should be an election of Scott Walker as president, 
Canada might want to keep all of us from fleeing into their state, so he might actually be doing them a favor with this wall. Yes, yes. But this is absurd. I mean, come on. It is, it, I think it just demonstrates that his campaign is, is starting to, to teeter on those rails a little bit. And so yeah. I look forward to watching this evolve over the next few months. Yeah, we, uh, we posted a blog that suggested Scott Walker's completely jumped the shark on this one. Um, we, t Donald Trump would not have even imagined up such a silly idea. In fact, I, I look forward to the next debate where Trump, I'm sure, will have fun with him on this idea and tell him, uh, tell him he forgot where, where, where the Republicans want to build the walls. So uh, anyways, uh, obviously it's worth noting that it, it appears uh, that Walker campaign trail uh, train is clearly off the rails, as you may have well, suggested. It's there, rocking. Drama. It's definitely rocking. Definitely rocking. However, we, we know what's, the way Scott Walker operates is there's a lot of money behind him. And, and we did find out this week that about $9 million worth of television ads $9 million. $9 million is going to go to try to convince the people otherwise of the brilliance of Scott Walker, but that is sort of how the campaign operates. Say anything in public mode and then dump it all in media. So we'll continue to watch the Scott Walker campaign uh, uh, trail as it uh, careens around. A couple other things that we wanted to uh, mention, it was announced this week that the Wisconsin League of Conservation Voters, along with their national partner, the League of Conservation Voters, are going to be running a significant, in fact, a $1.6 million campaign against Senator Ron Johnson for his, I don't know how else to say it, but complete Luddite approach to uh, trying to look at how we uh, deal with the uh, climate change, quite frankly. So that is uh, very exciting because we he is quite possibly could be one of the worst. So that was in the news this week, and we want to make uh, make sure that folks are aware that that's happening. The other thing I wanted to mention is we we had a special education special last week. Uh, one thing that I wanted to flag is La Casa Esperanza Charter School. It's a very large operation in Waukesha. Last week, the principal resigned and had some very interesting comments in the Waukesha Freeman, basically very strongly in support of public education and said that this experience where she described the encounters with management is demoralizing, said that uh, this has reaffirmed her commitment to public education and the notion that you cannot have a high functioning education system that does not put educators at the center of how you make decisions and operate. and. And so I thought that that was very interesting coming from someone who was just, you know, in the belly of, of the private uh, operation. So um, wanted to mention that as, our, as uh, our educators and students are continue to head back to school. I think there are probably some districts that go back uh, after Labor Day. So Jorna... What are you doing this weekend? Furlough time. Furlough time. Well, first, can I give Robert's furlough? Yeah. He's going to be very busy. Very busy. Doing things like working. Working. And working and some more. Working. And then he'll go to Labor Fest. And then he'll go to Labor Fest. All right. So, Robert, <laughs> but, that's why, that's that's what you get here. Jorna, right. what are you doing? I am heading up to Door County. Okay. Scenic Door County to... Um, Hang out with my folks a little bit. We have a business up in Door County, and I will be spending some quality time selling jewelry and art. Is this the weekend where where you uh, go into the black? 
Labor Day, the final weekend of taking all the money from the visitors from Illinois? Uh, no, actually, there there are lovely fall festivals all okay. through all September right. and October in Door County, but um, this is a this is a big weekend. So, kind of like falling off of a bike, I will be uh, quote volunteering in my parents' business in Fish Creek. So, if you're in Door County this weekend, stop on by and see me. Um, this weekend, I am doing something very special with my family. We're going down to the Springfield Mile to watch. For our first time ever, uh, Grand National Flat Track Race, the Springfield Mile, which is the Super Bowl of flat track racing. My son will be racing at their short track on Saturday, but looking forward to that. And then on Monday, we will be back for Labor Fest. Anyways, <laughs> we will see everyone at Labor Fest. It's a fabulous time. And uh, we'll see all of you next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin Podcast. 